Welcome back, one and all, to another day here at The Damage Report. And that day is Thursday. With me, John Arilla and Jordan Yule joining us on this program. How's it going, Jordan? Glad to have you here because it's Thursday and that's the day you're scheduled for. Thank you for being here. Yeah, I'm loving this beautiful Thursday. Mm-hmm. I definitely knew it was Thursday this morning as well. So I'm <laughs> happy to be here. Anyway, for the audience, I went to bed last night thinking that tomorrow is Friday. I sent an email to Brett, the show. I don't know what's going on. My brain is decaying faster than the two front runners for the presidential race. But anyway, um, we do have a lot to talk about, including stuff that is campaign related because it is being shaken up in some ways that Look, I think seems subtle, but could be consequential, and we'll be breaking that down. Last night, of course, was a big day for debates and town halls. Jordan, you did the TYT coverage of the Nikki Haley, Ron DeSantis debate. In brief, what would like your quick review of that debate be? I think Haley came off really strong. She was really poised. I think her microsite, we all know the name, it's DeSantisLies.com. And the reason we know it is because it's a smart strategy. The thing, it's, it's, it was smart. And as I talked about last night, I think that worked because his body language and his demeanor and his flip-flopping on things reinforced what her narrative was. If you go to that site, it's really well done. It's a bunch of receipts on all of these issues, linking specifically to articles proving that he's lying. If people go to that site, I'd be curious to see what the traffic was. But if people out of curiosity went to that URL last night who are on the fence, they will see that he is lying about all of these things. It was a really, really smart strategy. And I know people laughed about it because she brought it up a lot. But I think that was the the narrative. That's, That's going to be the narrative the next couple of days for DeSantis. He's a liar. Yeah, she she plugged the website more than like Ted Cruz plugs his podcast when he's on Fox. <laughs> like it just always be grinding, man. But um, you know, I think it's a good strategy and and I agree. He's got horrible body language. He has he has the sort of body language that if you're like an old school toxic male, you just want to kick sand in his face. Like he has that sort of energy. Um and so well, I'm enjoying it because he's the worst. But anyway, um, we will be talking about the race. As I said, we're gonna be talking a little bit about the other side of uh, not the debate, but the, the town hall. Uh, Donald Trump potentially doing some damage to himself in multiple different venues, honestly, both in the race and in his legal trouble. So we've got that. We've got uh, Marjorie Green deciding to turn the halls of Congress once again into halls of smut. That'll be fun. And then coming up in the aftermath, we're gonna give a little bit of an update on what's going on uh, with Gaza and Israel. Why people are so mad about the economy and is climate science just superstition? We'll be discussing that. So in advance of that, please hit the like button, share the stream, and you can send us comments, tweets, and super chats, and you might earn yourself a Blue Apron gift card. With all that said, Jordan, you ready to do this thing? Was born ready, John. You were, in fact, I checked into it. (laughs) With that said, let's do it. It's clear to me tonight that there isn't a path for me to win the nomination, which is why I'm suspending my campaign tonight for President of the United States. I am gonna make sure that in no way do I enable Donald Trump to ever be president of the United States again. And that's more important than my own personal ambition. So that's it. 
Chris Christie is out. He didn't quite make it to the first actual nominating contest. And you know, it's it's news anytime someone drops out of the campaign, particularly someone like Chris Christie, who is a national figure. He has run before. And in this race, he served the role of what most people are terming as the strongest critic of Donald Trump. I will say the only real critic of Donald Trump for the most part, and that is now gone. So I guess the mantle now falls to either Nikki Haley or Ron DeSantis to realize that they're trying to beat this guy and maybe they should do something. But anyway, we're gonna turn a little bit to what effect this could have on the other contenders in a bit. But briefly, Jordan, I want your thoughts on the Chris Christie candidacy in its own right. Did it accomplish anything? Will it be remembered? Where do you see Chris Christie going from here? So he set out to chart a different course from the rest of the field. He, from a very early point in the campaign, was critical of Trump, trying to distance himself and distinguish himself from Trump, knowing that if he was going to win, that would be the only way he could do it. He couldn't go and just try to be Trump light like DeSantis is doing. It wouldn't work for him, especially with his history and his comments in the past. So he wanted to appeal to what he thought were Republican voter sensibilities and maybe tap into a sentiment where people are uneasy about nominating Trump because of his legal challenges. And that didn't work. And he's tried he's tried repeatedly to run for president. And now I think he he should reach a point of acceptance that he's just not going to be president. The Republican base doesn't like him enough. They will not vote for him. The party has changed dramatically from when he was governor. It's just over for him. Where he will go from here, he'll just go back to cable news. He's got you know, revolving spots on various networks. He'll get paid comfortably just to go on, maybe be critical of Trump. Who knows what he'll do in terms of posturing, but he'll just be a TV guy and I'm sure he'll get paid by some right wing think tank or interest group to do lobbying or represent their views on TV. I think that's probably quite accurate. Um, he could try cameo, but uh, George Santos is really, you know, like he's just sopping up all the money over there. Um, look, I I get him wanting to try to run, not because I think he thought that he could win. I think he understood as well as literally every other person in the country that that wasn't going to work, but that somebody had to take out Donald Trump. And uh, look, that doesn't absolve him of. You know, for standing beside Donald Trump for years and years, but I like that he at least tried to hurt him, and in pulling out, might actually hurt him. But yeah, it does seem just the idea that not even in this race, but even back in 2016, maybe in 2016, before the Trump thing, the idea that he would be the guy that the GOP would pick, like in a general election, I think that a lot of Republicans would vote for him. But the idea that they would choose him in a primary over other like more insane candidates who understand the voting base has been trained to prioritize conspiracy theories and absurd culture war topics. Like, and that was never what Chris Christie wanted to focus on. Chris Christie, honestly, I think would have had a better chance just switching parties and running as like a, a quote unquote centrist Democrat. I think that he probably would have gone farther in a primary on that side. But anyway, I, I, I agree, I don't think he'll be running again. And you know, stay tuned to CNN to see his next appearances. That said, I want to jump directly into this sot because we have a little bit more on Chris Christie, and it gets fun. I mean, look, she spent 68 million so far, just on TV. Spent 68 million so far, 59 million by DeSantis, and we spent 12. 
I mean, who's punching above their weight and who's getting a return on their investment, you know? And she's gonna get smoked. And you and I both know it. She's not up to this. She hasn't even been challenged. She's still 20 points behind Trump in New Hampshire, right? Yeah. And, oh, yeah. And he's, gonna, he's still going to carry out, right? Yes. Oh, he's, I, t you know, I talked to De DeSantis called me, petrified that I would. He's probably getting out after Iowa. Well, so that is a hot mic with a whole lot embedded in it. First of all, how are presidential candidates still getting caught on hot mics? Like it makes you think that it's not accidental. At a certain point, I think people operating the soundboards of America just like drama. They like the spice and so they turn it up a little bit and they give us an idea of what these candidates are actually saying. But anyway, Chris Christie has dropped out of the race. And so I think the idea is that that is going to help whoever whoever the next big anti-Trump candidate is. So if it's Nikki Haley, if it's Ron DeSantis or whatever, the, the support for him will go to them. And that would seem to be Nikki Haley. And in his dropout speech, he even hinted that it was so that there could be a consolidation of support, or at least that he wouldn't draw support away from other anti-Trump forces. And yet he doesn't behind the scenes seem to have much faith in that strategy. He's talking about how both of them have wasted a bunch of money. Um, and in particular, he doesn't seem to think that Nikki Haley really has any chance. They seem to think that both of them might drop out within a month. Jordan, what do you make of this? Like, and no, granted, his his view of Nikki Haley's chances aren't the most important thing, but he really doesn't seem to have much faith. Do you think that with the Christie voters added to hers, maybe she'll have a chance? I don't know about Iowa. Maybe uh, New Hampshire, probably. Uh, I think. It, Set preference polling indicates that, and I think we could all just see from how they've postured, how they've run their campaigns, how they've tried to distance themselves from Trump. Christie voters or supporters, however many of them there they that there are, probably like Haley more because they are very similar. DeSantis, I would imagine his base would just go to Trump. DeSantis has a big ground game in Iowa. We talked about this last night. On the on the debate coverage, he has really spent a ton of money building up a ground presence in Iowa. So Christie's talking about TV and ads. Sure, that's part of it. But Buttigieg really showed if you have a strong ground game in Iowa, you can perform beyond expectations of polling because polling really is unreliable. And you need people not just to know your name. You need people to show up and potentially spend hours caucusing for you in Iowa. And that's a tedious process. You have to be really, really committed. And also the weather is going to be terrible. There's potentially negative 20 degree wind chills uh, on Monday when this is happening. So you have really have to like a candidate. And if DeSantis has made that big of an investment in caucusing or to getting out the, the caucus, we could see just really unexpected results in Iowa. Yeah. Well, um, you know, some might say that it's a cold day in hell when Donald Trump loses, but it looks like it's going to be a cold day in hell during those caucuses. So maybe maybe there's a chance. So I wonder about that, about where their support would go. So look, we have polls indicating um, apparently for Christie, at least in New Hampshire, 65% of his supporters chose Haley as their second choice. So it seems, I agree, I think much of his support is gonna go to Haley. I don't see them going to Ron DeSantis. I think they would dislike him for much the same reason that they dislike Trump. Um, in terms of where Ron DeSantis' support would go, I do think that a significant portion would go to Trump if he were to drop out. But I wonder to what extent the ones that were gonna go to Trump, haven't they done that? 
Like he's lost a lot of support over the last six months. And I feel like it's gone back to Trump. I wonder if there might be some anti-Trump Republicans supporting DeSantis that maybe were he to drop out would go to Nikki Haley. I, I don't know, I would say I don't really care what happens to Ron DeSantis. But if I were to offer advice to him for his political future, drop out right now. Because first of all, it's gonna make you less of a target and you barely have the tatters of a reputation anymore to take with you. But more importantly, you really need Donald Trump to lose. Because as long as Donald Trump is at the head of the Republican Party, he hates your guts and he is doing a great job of making a mockery of you. So you need him to lose, which means you need someone to beat him. And it isn't gonna be you, that much is clear. I think you know when you look in a mirror that you don't have it. You know when you look in your wife's eyes, you see her shame and disappointment reflected back at you. You know that you're not gonna get it done. So drop out, Nikki Haley then has at least a snowball chance in hell of beating Donald Trump. And boom, maybe four years from now, people will have forgotten what a big weenie you are and you could run and possibly have a chance. So that would be me extending an olive branch with a few insults added to it to Ron DeSantis. He should probably drop out. Anyway, what do you think? Yeah, I, I, I can't imagine he would until maybe after Nevada, maybe New Hampshire. That'd be really close. but. I mean, he goes to New Hampshire, Nevada, then South Carolina. Haley's probably going to win South Carolina. Uh, it would be interesting if she doesn't win South Carolina, just drop out. It's over. You have no chance. If you can't sure. even pull your own state, it's over. So I, I think we'll see some sort of consolidation at or around South Carolina. I mean, also Vivek, he's not really polling well. He's got some supporters, but I'd be curious where they go. And I would imagine it's probably just Trump. I think they're going to go to Trump in that they will be hand delivered to Trump by Ramaswamy. I think I think they are already like the, the the envelopes are already written out for that. Like he is just there to help Donald Trump win. Um and so yeah, we'll see. I don't know. I, I wonder about Ron DeSantis. Like, does he make it to Super Tuesday? Like Trump's whole thing is he wants to wrap this thing up before any of the trials are concluded and and it's still looking like there's a good chance, but but with the Chris Chris Christie polled okay in New Hampshire a little bit, that could be enough to put Nikki Haley over. And if she suddenly wins a state, then maybe that creates renewed interest, and maybe establishment Republicans flood her campaign with money. I don't know. I don't know. Stay tuned. I'm hoping it's exciting, and there's at least a chance that it might be. Okay. With that said, oh, any final thoughts? Oh, on the exciting point, I just, I don't know. It it doesn't seem like it's going to be anything other than Trump gets the nomination, but I, I'm with you. I hope it's exciting. You're probably right, but let's have fun. Okay, Jordan, can we have fun for once? Trump wanted to speak in court today. The judge said no. How big of a deal is this? Well, initially we had just asked, could we please postpone today? His mother-in-law clearly just died and he would have liked to have been with his family. The judge said no. Why? So Donald Trump not allowed to give the closing arguments is how Fox is presenting it in his fraud trial. Now that you'll be shocked to find out is not accurate at all. You'll be equally shocked to find out that Alina Haba is being dishonest about this. Not just about 
him not being allowed to do the closing arguments, but also the idea that we need to delay the trial because he just he wants to console Melania. He's devastated by the fact that her mother died, and that is very sad. That's very sad for Melania's family. It's very sad for Melania. I don't think that Donald Trump feels literally anything as a result of that. He just wants to delay the trial. She knows him better than we do. She knows that he doesn't give a damn about her family. But, but anyway, um, there's some dishonesty too about exactly what happened with the judge. We're gonna get into that, but I wanna give you just a little bit more of Alina Haba first. To be clear, it's one thing to limit closing arguments to the information and evidence presented at trial. That's a rule that everybody needs to follow, all lawyers. But how much further did the judge order go beyond that in limiting what Donald Trump could say? Effectively, he didn't want him to litigate the ugly parts of the case. He didn't want Donald Trump to say a lot of things that we would be saying. He has a right, and I think we're seeing this consistently across a lot of these cases. They gag him, they tell him you can't publicly say it. They say you can't even say it when you're at home on True Social. You can't say it on Twitter. Imagine free speech being completely slashed, not for a normal person, never mind us, but for the leading candidate of the Republican Party. You know, it is cliche and perhaps too easy to, in a knee jerk way, present those on the other side as being fundamentally immoral or evil or anything like that. It just to me, like, she knows what he is trying to do with his posts. When he shows a figure in one of his cases with a baseball bat aimed at their head, she knows exactly what he is trying to do. And in exchange for money, she is advocating for his continued ability to do that. She knows that this is not about him trying to like make his case. This is about him inspiring chaos and violence. And she's fine with that so long as the check clears. I don't know how you sleep with that. I mean, she's hardly alone on the right, but but anyway, the, the presentation there of exactly what Judge Angeron had actually limited Trump. I think they're being completely dishonest. That said, I'm in a bubble, so I'm gonna read what the judge said. And Jordan Yule, you tell me if you think that the restrictions that the judge was requiring him to agree to are too onerous, okay? So he said, in my sole discretion, I will consent to let Mr. Trump make a closing argument if and only if through counsel by the 9th of January, 2024, and by himself personally on the record, my God, they talk in crazy ways. Just before he speaks, he agrees to limit his subjects to what is permissible in a counsel's closing argument. That is, commentary on the relevant material facts that are in evidence and application of the relevant law to those facts. This is basically what in the Fox clip they're referring to is this is what everybody has to agree to. Okay, he may not seek to introduce new evidence. I think the judge is being too nice in saying that what he would be presenting is evidence, but he may not testify. He may not comment on irrelevant matters in particular and without limitation. He may not deliver a campaign speech and he may not impugn myself, my staff, plaintiff, plaintiff staff, the New York State court system, none of which is relevant to this case and all of which except commenting on my staff can be done and is being done in other forums. Do I have Trump derangement syndrome in saying those are fair limitations? What do you think? I think these are completely unfair because it deprived us of one of the funniest potential <laughs> moments in American history. Mm-hmm. Like him going up, representing himself, giving his own closing argument could have been spectacular. Terrible for the legal system and for the country, but hilarious. And we were so close to that. We could have had that. You wanted excitement. You were just talking in the last segment. You wanted excitement. 
You could have had that, John. This is unfair. I'm I'm standing with Trump on this. <laughs> Give this man the mic. I, look, to me, there was definitely going to be entertainment value. Like him standing in a court of law and making like an official closing argument. To me, it feels like if you like put a suit on an English bulldog and just let it <laughs> defend itself or whatever. Um, so anyway. You know it would be about? funny. I'm trying to speculate about exactly what it is that he would talk about. Would he talk about Hunter Biden's privates? Would he call someone horse face? What exactly would he say in defense of this is the fraud trial? This isn't like the January 6th thing or there's nothing about Raffensburger or like this is just did you lie in financial statements? And I have no doubt that it would have been wild the stuff that he would have been talking about. Um, so yeah, it doesn't seem as if we're gonna get that. We're gonna stay on this. We know that he's there like for the, the close of this, um, which hopefully means that in the relatively near future, we're gonna find out exactly what's gonna happen there. But I do also wanna let people know, and this is something that you messaged me about. Um, there was a bomb threat to the judge. Uh, it apparently has been investigated. It doesn't seem as if there was anything physical to it. It was just you know what you expect in a case like this. They're going to make bomb threats to the judge. And like, how is this not inevitable? He had been he has been truthing about Engeron over and over and over again. And what do you know? One of his crazy followers decided to send a bomb threat. So what do you make of that? Well, it's 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 not just him. The judge in the DC immunity case also was swatted. Jack Smith was swatted. His followers are taking it upon themselves to carry out these threats, these act, potential acts of violence out of this weird uh, servitude to a guy who they really only know through a cult of personality and through TV and through their phone screens, which is a really weird way to engage with politics, really weird way to see a candidate or a potential president. It, I don't understand that. Like I, I liked Bernie. I'm not committing felonies for Bernie. Like, there's, there's just, I don't know how you reach that point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I'm not interested in going to jail for Bernie Sanders. <laughs> I like Representative Omar. I'm gonna let her fight her own illegal battles if that's what it comes to. I'm not gonna do that. Uh, but yeah, I, look, I agree. Um, there's been, you know, there's been a lot of conversation on the internet over the years about simping. And simps believing that the relationship they have with influencers is more than perhaps it really is, and being willing to send tons of money to people they don't know. This is this is violent fascist simping. Is all that it is. This is a parasocial relationship between millions of deranged Americans and Donald Trump, and they are willing to spend the rest of their life in prison because they read something that he wrote on Truth Social. That is sad. Get a hobby. Touch grass. Come on. Anyway, um, he fans he fans those flames though. Like, 100%. if you were a content creator, you're someone on the internet, and you recognize that parasocial relationship is reaching an unhealthy point. Most people, normal people, don't encourage it. He does, and I mean, you saw how that looks on January sixth, and he is doing this. Like he talked about earlier, threats he's posting on Truth Social singling out these judges repeatedly so people know who they are. He's basically like crowdsourcing mafia tactics yeah. through this parasocial relationship. Yeah, and, and this is what Alina Haba wants. 
She is totally fine with the inevitability of bomb threats and perhaps more. Remember, they didn't send a bomb threat to Paul Pelosi. They cracked his skull open with a hammer. So we know we know what exactly. Oh God, I cannot believe that they're still making arguments for why he should be able to stir up you know, public hatred and conspiracy theories towards these public figures is absolutely insane. But anyway, that's the country we live in. So uh, we're gonna press forward, we're gonna take a short break and we come back, uh, we're gonna touch base with what's going on with the town hall last night after this. Okay, everybody, by the way, we're we're getting, Dragon Shepherd had sent in a comment of a sort of breaking news that Trump was going to be allowed to talk in the trial. But we're, we've looked and we're not finding that. We will continue to look. Um, as always, thank you for updates about the news. But uh, so far, it doesn't seem as that as if that's the case. But anyway, stay tuned for that. Um, with that said, let's jump into uh, more news though. Trump is still running scared from the debates. He does not want to share a stage with Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley for some reason. But he did finally do a town hall with Fox News. And in it, he just may have boasted himself into dooming his chances in 2024. Take a look at this. I've been, you know, vocal and celebrating with you all of your pro-life victories from the past. But then in this campaign, you've also blamed pro-lifers for some of the GOP losses around the country, and you've called heartbeat laws like Iowa's terrible. And so I'd just like some clarity on this because it's such an important question to me. Okay. I'd like for you to reassure me that you can protect all life, every person's right to life without compromise. So that's a great question. I appreciate it too. You wouldn't be asking that question, even talking about the issue, because for 54 years they were trying to get Roe v. Wade terminated, and I did it, and I'm proud to have done it. They wanted to get it back, right? You wouldn't be have that. There would be no question. Nobody else was going to get that done but that, me. Yeah. And we did it, and we did something that was a miracle. We understand that Donald Trump gets. That focusing on how excited they are to have killed the right to abortion, to keep trying to dial it back and go further and further is not an electoral winner for the GOP. And he has previously signaled that he wants to present himself as a moderate on this topic. That said, all you have to do is give him credit for killing it and he immediately begins bragging about it. And so he is going to say just what he said in that clip over and over and over again, clip it out. Put it in ads, remind everyone that he's right. He was responsible for that. He packed the court with religious zealots who were put there specifically to kill Roe v. Wade. And I think that this is really going to end up hurting him in the election. There's there's lots of different ways that you can present Donald Trump as a radical. And I think a lot of them, there's a lot of merit to it. Many of them are still hypothetical. They're about things that he might do. Now, this is about what he already did. No one can dispute who he put on the Supreme Court and what they ended up doing. So I really hope that the Biden campaign is watching and using these clips because we already know that it motivates a lot of political action. Jordan, what do you think about this? Yeah, absolutely. The reason, one of the main reasons that Democrats outperformed everyone's expectations in 2022 was because Roe was overturned, because people saw the consequences immediately of losing any protections for reproductive rights. In some states, you know, people are having to flee, people are getting life-threatening illnesses or having miscarriages on tables. It's just a horrific set of circumstances that people see the realities of. And for decades, like he said, they wanted this and it seemed like a pipe dream, but I think a lot of voters on the right 
never really considered what that would look like. It felt good, Oh, we're protecting life. Now they see, oh no, my friend or relative or even someone in my state can't have an abortion even as it's threatening their life because of these draconian restrictions. And you saw places like Nebraska where statewide votes protected the right to abortion. In Ohio, a solidly red state at this point, aside from Sherrod Brown, but even there, they're protecting the right to an abortion. They don't. They don't want these restrictions, and voters are pushing back. So, like you say, Trump recognizes that this is a political liability, but he loves praise, and he loves being the guy who gave them this thing that no other president could achieve. I think you could say that most other presidents were smart enough to, or calculating enough to recognize that isn't a good thing in the long run, because a lot of their friends, a lot of their colleagues. When they knock up their mistress, what are they going to do if there's a federal abortion ban? And that is not a hypothetical. We already know that that's true of a lot of different candidates at various levels. 100%. I think that the Biden administration is going to hit him hard on this. We already know that the vice president has been dispatched to give speeches about this, and he's just going to keep providing ammunition. And the rest of them will. It's not just Trump, it's the entire movement that he's in charge of. They are actual crazy people on these topics. It is not enough that they have stripped away the right to an abortion. They're coming for IVF and they're coming for birth control and they're coming for, they're coming for all they're coming for no fault divorce. These people see the handmaid's tale as like good starting point. They're trying to look beyond that and and they're making the case for people like Joe Biden. If I have a hotel and somebody comes in from China, that's a small amount of money. And it sounds like a lot of money, that's a small. But I was doing services for that. People were staying in these massive hotels, these beautiful hotels, because I have the best hotels, I have the best clubs. I have the best clubs, I have, the, I have great stuff. And they stay there and they pay. I don't get $8 million for doing nothing. I have great stuff. Uh, very well said, former, vice, uh, former president. Um, okay, so the allegation is that foreign nationals have flooded into his properties as a way to transfer money to him. Not small amounts of money, as he said, I believe it was $7.8 million has already been tracked. And his defense is, I didn't get it for nothing, they stayed there. Yup, that's that's a necessary part of the corruption that we're describing. Yes, they stayed there because you were president and you provided services to them. That is what we're worried about, that is not a defense. Now I understand that this is not corruption on the level of like a Hunter Biden, where he paid his father back for a car or something. But it's still something worthy of discussion, I think, Jordan. What do you make of this? Is that a defense? Well, I think you need to look at specifically the DC hotel that he bought shortly before he became president. He bought the old post office building, renovated it, turned it into a hotel. And then pushed people to stay there pushed foreign diplomats to stay there. I mean, maybe not explicitly, but they knew they could curry favor with him if they stayed there. So they did, there was tremendous reporting during his presidency about the foreign governments and even corporate lobbyists and corporations who were trying to get regulations thrown out or get cushy deals or tax breaks. They would stay there too, they'd all spend money there. They'd have events Mm -hmm. there because they knew that's that's how he wanted the game played while he was president. And then he leaves office and oh, I don't want it anymore. It is, it is, it's so transparent what that hotel specifically was. They were doing this at his other properties too, but I think that one specifically showed the level of mm-hmm. corruption 
while he was president on this issue. 100%. And and it just it's so needless. He's already a rich man. He's a rich man and he's president at that point. He has everything that he ever want, but but he also has what seemingly every rich person has, which is an endless hole in their soul that they think they can fill by throwing more money in there. And they can't. These are fundamentally unhappy people. No extra amount of money is going to fix them. And so he just he just opted into more more corruption, more needless corruption, and not just him, his family as well. Ivanka was benefiting. Jared Kushner has obviously benefited, maybe even more than Donald Trump did. He's apparently far smarter than Donald Trump, which is not difficult to imagine. Um, and meanwhile, all of this you're supposed to just ignore. It doesn't matter. But something, something, Hunter Biden, as we'll get into a little bit later on. It's absolute madness. And of course, this we're just talking about the actual illegal corruption. The, the fact that they're totally fine with the current system of campaign finance is insane as well. But that said, I want to end with one more clip from the town hall. And it's just, I think, a fun little reminder of one of the darkest periods of Trump's first term. Take a look at this. But I think it was done out of incompetence. That's what I think. I believe that. The scientist went out, said hello to his girlfriend, and that was the end of that. She died, and then people started dying all over the place. But who knows? Who knows? I can tell you one thing. I got along with President Xi. So that is Donald Trump uh, talking about COVID, about the fact that people were dying all over the place. But who knows? Who knows? As someone in the audience, maybe a few people, laughs. Fox News audience, full of Republicans. <laughs> yeah, remember that when people were dying all over the place? Yeah, that was fun. So uh, there was also a little bit of his theorizing that a scientist accidentally released it into the wild or whatever. But Donald Trump was in charge. Donald Trump presided over the single largest failure of our government and domestic policy in our lifetime, perhaps multiple lifetimes. Needlessly, hundreds of thousands of people died. And I know when I said that yesterday, people said over a million people died. No, I understand that. Some people were always going to die. I'm baking in that it was going to be devastating. I'm saying what Trump and the Republicans added to it was obviously hundreds of thousands of additional Americans who died who did not need to, even with how bad COVID was and the fact that it was inevitably going to spread. And now looking back on that period, what should be the greatest embarrassment, the greatest shame of his career and his life. And he says, yeah, whatever, people died all over the place, who knows? Like you, how do you not throw that into an ad? Everybody, how many Americans lost a friend, lost a family member? I lost a member of my family. To see him joking about it and someone in the crowd, a member of his base laughing about it should serve as a reminder that a return of Donald Trump to power is not just a return of buffoonery and him saying absurd things. It's giving him the reins of power in a world in which terrible things happen and who is in charge is of critical, like literally life and death importance. Jordan, what are your thoughts? Yeah, it's it's a general callousness, but really it's because he only cared about the health of the economy. That's how he thinks, he only cares about money, he cares about himself. And the people around him only cared about maximizing profit during that time. So people started enterprises to capitalize on that moment. He did next to nothing to prevent the spread at a time where it was it was especially important. And I think he's also trying to navigate his base because it's really complicated. He wants to be the guy who who developed the vaccine that you know that happened under his watch. He made that 
part of his rhetoric at the end of 2020. But <laughs> what I'm so curious about is how that plays out, especially when you have people like DeSantis who's saying, I'm gonna hold everyone accountable, everyone who implemented any of these restrictions whatsoever. Well, there was a lot of Trump administration officials. Mm -hmm. And he recognized that was unpopular because people are selfish. People don't have any sort of collectivism here. And while every other developed country took it seriously because they recognize this is a, a global public health threat, Trump and his supporters are like, well, we want to go back to Applebee's. And it's like, I don't know, that, that's, that's a risk there. And mm -hmm. the consequence is, as that materializes, is people died all over. He doesn't care. He, he no one, no one really seems to care, even if their friends or relatives care. It's just a, a, an unbelievable display of self-centeredness. Yeah, I like I, 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 for me, I'm assuming for you, I'm assuming for everyone watching, if you knew that you were responsible sometime in your life for a single person dying, I would assume that that would haunt you to this day, that you would occasionally lose sleep over it, that like you would go to therapy. He knows what he did, and not just in this area, you know, the, the fact that he massively increased the amount of bombing that we were doing overseas. By the way, at this at this town hall, he talked about the fact that every other president has had wars. I had no wars. What the hell are you talking about? He massively increased our bombing campaign in Syria. We were still involved with Afghanistan the entire time. If he didn't want that on his record, he could have pulled out. Obviously, he increased our support to Saudi Arabia and their vicious war on Yemen. The idea that he had no wars is absolutely laughable. But there's a lot of different areas where you can attribute deaths to him. I think a lot of his border policy also resulted in a lot of deaths of migrants as well. But nothing more than with COVID, and it doesn't bother him at all. He is like I throw around the term sociopath, and I probably should not do that. But for you to be so little affected by the fact that you killed stadiums of people, how can you give that person a single ounce of political power? It's marked Mr. out. Chairman, point of parliamentary out, point, showing point proof of, parliamentary uh, proof of Man okay. Act violations. Uh, um, Democrats should should they, not they, be okay. offended by. Pictures uh, that Chairman, black out. Have things. I been recognized? They should be Objection. offended by human trafficking. Marjorie Green still somehow thinks that her job as a congresswoman is to show pornography to people, non-consensually taking and revealing people's photos, and then non-consensually forcing us to see them. I have never seen this to be an important part of what a congressperson does. Mr. Smith goes to Washington, didn't involve him playing anything X-rated. And for some reason, she really thinks that is the point of being in Congress. Well, she's trying to make a point about the Man Act, and we will get to that. But first of all, here is Jamie Raskin responding to her once again showing pornography to all of us. Mr. Chairman, on July 26, I sent you a letter about the last time this happened when the general lady introduced before this committee without any notice to anyone. Uh, nude photos, pornographic uh, images that were completely irrelevant to the purpose uh, of the hearing itself. And my question to you is, are members allowed to simply put up sensationalistic, voyeuristic, pornographic images if they're not relevant to the actual object of the legislative proceeding? Uh, I want a parliamentary ruling well, on that. Mr. Askin, 
That's probably part of the questioning for for Mr. Biden violations of the Mann Act. Ms. Green's led on that issue. No, no, this is a these question are already, of the rules these of the already, These pictures have already been entered into the record. So in other words, you have accepted the idea that members can introduce irrelevant Sexually based, how, how, is this, how is this irrelevant? Well, well, how does it relate I, to Joe Biden? How, is, how does it relate to? Uh, We're not doing well, a criminal investigation of Hunter no, Biden. We've point, had, point, we've point had of order, Mr. Chairman. Point of order. Testified in the it, FBI. And the issue here is that Comer is supposed to be the responsible one, but he's not. He's he is as much enthralled to Marjorie Greene as the rest of them. He's terrified that if he were to shut her down, that she'd attack him on social media, and he'd probably lose his seat. And so he needs to agree, yeah, no, you can just show people's dongs in Congress. Has nothing to do with what we're talking about. It's not even evidence of the Mann Act, the violations having to do with sexual uh, sex trafficking that she's talking about. It is literally just a photo of his redacted penis. And she thinks, oh, we got him. We proved that he at one point was naked from the waist down, and thus it's relevant in some way. And it makes me wonder, I understand. That there's a lot of potential explanations for why she's doing this. One is that she loves conspiracy theories. The other is that she's a genuine moron. The third is potentially there are a lot of weird kinks out there. I'm not going to shame anyone, but there's a reason that people go with trench coats and just flash. They like to force people to see things. Is this potentially a like flasher by proxy kink that she has? That she just likes the idea that anyone watching C-SPAN, including I will remind you, children. We'll have to see these images and she's the one that forces them to see it. I don't know, I'm just asking questions directly to the gentle lady because I know that she watches the damage report. Marjorie Green, what is your issue? And what? like, I'm not saying you can't practice your kink. I'm just saying you have to maintain respect for consent as you're doing it. Jordan, what do you think? <laughs> I mean, I, I think it's really just that she knows it's shocking and she knows she'll get attention for doing it. I think that's just her whole MO in Congress. It's do something outlandish, do something stupid, which is second nature for her, and she'll get attention. All press is good press in her mind. And my question is, why do you have those? Like you could read about these things, read about the things that are on the laptop, read about all of his his history or his past or whatever. Okay, I feel like I know too much about Hunter Biden already. Why are you then going and saving those pictures? And why have you printed them out and put them on a blown up poster repeatedly? Like there's just like there's a step there that I'm so confused by. Maybe yeah. it is that she's just really into it. Maybe she just deep down she loves him. That's a very generous censorship bar. I mean, good for Hunter. Maybe that's what it's like piqued her interest. Yeah, I think that the printer ran out of black ink for a little bit to create that redaction. Um, and so I love that, like, she just so desperately wants to show, but also she's kind of helping him out socially, at least. Maybe not in terms of his legal situation, but um, but anyway, look, it's 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 absolutely ridiculous. I I worry about what this says for our government. I worry about the turnover rate at the Kinkos in DC because you can't last long being forced to print out this sort of stuff. Brett used to do, he had this ad for Simon Simonson signs and he would print out the big things that they show on the halls on the floor of Congress. And yeah, now it's X-rated, so that's fun. But anyway, we are we're running out. I'll just briefly mention because we have a few minutes. While she is focusing on his package, even if you set that aside, this is still the Republican Party deciding that what Congress is going to be about 
still is Hunter Biden. Now, many of them will not talk about his junk. They will instead talk about the him repaying Joe Biden for his Ford Raptor or whatever. But all of it is still just focusing in a hypercritical fashion, never ending fashion on what Hunter Biden has done. As if there is nothing going on in the country that needs to be dealt with. Whether real problems that are grounded in reality or even just made up problems that they would choose to focus on. Are there no caravans working their way towards our southern border? I ask you that. And um, and they instead have decided that this is what Congress is gonna be about. And remember, we're cruising into an election year, Jordan. They seem to think that this is, in terms of how they're gonna present themselves to the country, to maintain control of the House, this is the best use of their time, and they have nothing to fear from doing this. What do you think? Could this potentially hurt them, or do you think that this is just, it's too important that they reassure their base? John, I have to remind you that caravans only come and are only newsworthy in the run up to an election, and then <laughs> right wing media doesn't care anymore. Just as we've seen over the past few cycles, you will see a caravan before the general election. That's just how it works. That's just the timing of caravans. Coincidental. Um, they haven't done anything, and you've had a few members of Congress acknowledge this. Yeah, but I think they they feel like smearing Biden, and apparently they can't do it well. They don't have enough on him, so they have to talk about Hunter. That's going to be their attempt. That's going to be their selling point in 2024. It said the Biden family is corrupt. It's a crime family. And they have nothing to show for their legislative record. They've had turmoil in the House. They've, you know, multiple speakers, even pro temp. But I, I just, I don't know what their approach is going to be beyond trying to smear Biden as a crook. I don't think that's going to work because they really don't have anything concrete to show for it. They might try to push for an impeachment, but that doesn't matter. That really doesn't matter. You're just charging him with some flimsy. I was on speakerphone with my son potentially type stuff. It's just not going to land well because it's just so abstract to a large yeah. portion of the voter base. Yeah, it wouldn't yeah. end well and might actually backfire. Like if they they if they decide we're going to we're going to we're going to dive into an impeachment thing against Joe Biden and they have nothing, then a lot of Democrats might be reminded of how extreme and out of touch the Republicans are. Um it just it's the thing where because Donald Trump is so corrupt and has broken all these laws, they have to pretend that the other side is doing it too. But Joe Biden is just too boring. He's too sleepy. He's not the criminal you want him to be. I mean, he's done tons of shady stuff. But from their point of view, that stuff is okay because their side does it as well. Anyway, we are running out of time. I want to jump into one more important story to close out this hour. It might seem cliche to claim that the other side politically is okay with your children starving. But in this case, I'm gonna have to ask you to weigh the evidence. 15 Republican controlled states have declined to participate in the two and a half billion dollar summer EBT program. Basically funds that were gonna be made available so that kids would be able to eat. And we'll break down how that would actually function. But if you are in one of these states, Oklahoma, Alabama, Alaska, Florida, Georgia, Idaho, Iowa, Louisiana, Mississippi, Nebraska, South Carolina, South Dakota, Texas, Vermont, and Wyoming, just know that your states decided that free money that would make it so kids could eat, nah, we don't want that. Keep that money, we don't need it. It's absurd, but it's happening in a significant chunk of the country. So 21 million children in 35 states are expected that they will be fed by this program set to launch this year. 
providing low-income parents with benefits to purchase food for their kids. And so if you're in one of those states that does accept the federal funds, families with incomes below the poverty level who already receive free or reduced price lunches during the school year will be provided with $120 per child or $40 each summer month to purchase food at grocery stores or other retailers. And you would think, well, if you're just rejecting a big chunk of money that the federal government is giving you to feed those with the least in your state, you have to have a good reason, right? Well, maybe they do, but for most of these states, we don't know because they're not providing any reason. They're just rejecting in silence this money that could help people. And I I understand what the Republicans of those states would say, we don't want this going to those sorts of people. And we know exactly who they're thinking of. But bear in mind, in a lot of these states, it is poor conservatives kids who would be benefiting from this. There are a ton of lily white conservatives that would be benefiting from this money. And they will not because of the Republicans who they unwisely put in charge of their state. And so through a combination of classism and racism, there are a lot of conservative kids who are gonna be needlessly going hungry thanks to Republican governance. Jordan, what are your thoughts? It's unsurprising. It feels like a cliche, like kind of a lazy criticism of of the GOP, but that's what they've become now. So they have a disdain for the poor, the working class, and unfortunately, kids are now caught in the crossfire. Hundred percent. I hope that those kids can, in some way, learn exactly why it is that they're going hungry. What could be done to help it? And by the way, thank you to those who set up this actual program, those who cared about government enough and bureaucracy enough to actually set it up and fund it. But Jesus, it's insane what's going on in so many states. We're unfortunately out of time for the first hour of the show. Thank you everybody who's been listening to the podcast. For the rest of you, there's more to come in the aftermath, so don't go anywhere. Jordan and I will be back after this. 